Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 7, 1 through 5, on page 812. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I will always remember the date, June 6th, 2006. And I remember that date not just because the, the digits for that date are 666. You may have noticed, June 6th, 2006. I remember that day because it was evil for me in, in another way, in a very different way. I decided to go hiking that day all those many years ago, and I'd gotten a little bit off trail, which normally isn't that big of a deal, but I had to cross a creek, and it meant going down a gully and back up, and I decided if I took kind of a running jump at it, I could probably get across pretty easy. And as I was coming back up the other side, the brush was so thick, I, I had to push through, and I caught a stick in my eye. And it hurt. It hurt, well, to be honest, it hurt like a stick in the eye. That's what, that's exactly, that's why they say that. It hurt like a stick in the eye. And, and here I am sitting in my car, and, and I got my phone out, and I was trying to take a picture, and camera phones in 2006 weren't all that great. There were no megapixels back then, and I'm trying to take a picture. I can't, I can't see it, and, and I finally made the decision that I, I had better go to the emergency room. Well, the doctor there was very understanding, and he, he checked my eye out, he, he washed my eye out, and took me into the examination room, and, and he put a dye, put a special dye in my eye, and then lowered the lights and turned on this weird purple light, and that purple light showed him that all I had done was scratched it, I had not, in fact, punctured my eye, so that was good news. Uh, they gave me a tetanus shot, which really hurt, so I made them give me a sucker, because I remember I used to get suckers every time I got shots, and apparently you hit about 40 and they don't do that anymore. Uh, that They still gave me one though. Uh, and I was on my way and, and headed home with a new appreciation for the passage that Hannah has just read for us. We quote this passage a lot. Uh, honestly, we, we, we quote it and yet we ignore the lessons that are here. More often than not, when we quote this passage, we quote it out of defense rather than out of respect for one another. We remind people that they have no rights. They have no right to, to judge us. And at the same time, we judge them for judging us. It makes for difficult encounters. It makes for difficult relationships. And it does nothing to bring us together or bring unity to the church. Chapter 5 of Tom Rainer's I Am a Church Member. Chapter 5 is titled, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. And Rainer begins the chapter with this passage that was just read for us. That might seem a little strange, but when we get beyond the defensiveness with which we often quote this, we see great grace in this passage. Tom Rainer writes on page 57, Christ died on the cross for people who rebelled against Him. We should be able, therefore to love the seemingly unlovable at our church. I need someone, I needed someone that day who could see the speck in my eye because I could not see the speck for myself. And in the same way, we need each other. It's too easy for us to forget that. And one of the most important places we need that is in 
how we lead our families, how we provide an environment in our homes, an environment for support and care and health. And so Jesus' lesson here is not just don't you judge. It's also don't forget to love. Healthy church members offer unconditional love to each other. Now I've got to admit, that's, that sounds hard. Unconditional love? How do we do that? Well, it sounds hard until you realize where it begins. You see, a healthy church member has a healthy view of God's judgment. Now, I said earlier, we quote this passage very defensively. We'll quote verse 1. You can't judge me. Uh, verse 1 says, judge not, that you be not judged. But we completely miss the context if we don't follow up with verse 2. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is such a thing as healthy judgment. Healthy judgment says, I want for you the same thing that I want for me. I want us all to understand the accountability we have to God and our dependence upon His grace. I have nothing over you. You have nothing over me. You're no worse than I am. In fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not just looking for a healthy view of God's judgment. We're looking for a healthy view of His grace. The realization that that neither you nor I have an, have an exclusive claim on the grace of God. Our sins are equally as abhorrent and God's grace is equally as amazing. And when we grasp that, we are on our way to being healthy church members. And it's then that maybe we begin to realize that coming to church and, and being a part of a church, that's not just about me wanting to get saved. You know, coming to church isn't just about me wanting to wanting to be saved. It's not just about me wanting to feel better for all the lousy things I did this past week. Maybe I'm here to help other people. Maybe I'm here to, to help you on your faith journey, and you're here to help me on my faith journey. Paul puts it this way in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, brothers, and, and when he says brothers, he also means sisters. He means all y'all. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. You see, that kind of relationship begins with a healthy view of God and His judgment and a trust that if God is able to judge my sin correctly, then God is also able to judge your sin correctly. My judgment is not needed. And it's at that point that we see it's not just about having a healthy view of God, but it's also about having a healthy, a healthy view of others. A healthy church member has a healthy view of others. I hope you can hear the humor in what Jesus says here in chapter 7. Because He's painting a, a very funny picture for us. A kind of a, a, kind of a, a hilarious little parody for us. He says in verse 3, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? You know, that, that speck I had in my eye on June 6, 2006, it felt huge. I couldn't move my eye without feeling it. I couldn't blink without feeling it. 
It felt absolutely massive in my eye, and yet it was just the tiniest little thing. But can you imagine if I'd walked into the ER that afternoon and, and waited to talk to the doctor, and the doctor had come into the exam room and said, what seems to be the problem? Well, I, I've got a speck in my eye. All right, I think I can help you. I don't think you can help me. Your problem is far worse than mine. How exactly are you going to see my problem when you can't even see past your own problem? You're going to be no help at all. And that's why I say healthy church members offer unconditional love to each other. They want to help each other and they recognize that judgment, that's not helpful. That's not helping. And you know, the best place to learn that is in the home. The best place to learn that is in the home, to see that kind of love in action there. But I also have to say, too often, that's exactly where it breaks down. That's exactly where it breaks down is among family. And we have to confess that sometimes family becomes a very toxic place. Sometimes family becomes a place where there is some very toxic judgment, where nothing goes unscrutinized, where nothing goes uncriticized, and where unconditional love is unknown. And then we bring that to church. And when we bring that to church, it brings that toxic judgment into the body of Christ. I, I hate to have to say this, but many years ago, we would have to confess that was a problem here. That was a, that was a problem. That kind of toxic judgment was a problem in our church. Many years ago, and, and I'm speaking for myself, and I'm also speaking from some of my predecessors who shared their experiences as well. Many years ago, there were those who would volunteer. Maybe they would volunteer to serve in one way or another. Maybe they would volunteer to sing or, or do something special or, or do something unusual or just try something new. And very often, they would feel the sting of judgment. And it came to a point when I would ask people could you do this? Would you, would you, would you do something for us? And, and they say, no, I, I can't do that because no one will like it. That's not true. That's not true. But that one little speck of judgment that came back to them, that one little speck of judgment that they heard, that was enough to feel like a log in their eye. And they, they wouldn't do this. Now, now, I'm proud to say I don't think we do that anymore. I don't think that kind of attitude is tolerated anymore. And I think back to what we did last week when instead of coming around the table, we came around a door last week. We came to a door that had been turned into the table and, and we came and had communion together and we shared that in a very special way. I, I think there would be a time a long time ago where, where we would view that with some suspicion and apprehension, wondering who's going to say what? Are they, are they not going to like it? And, and that just didn't happen last week. And I think that kind of freedom is an expression of what's happening in our fellowship. It's a sign of some healthy relationships here. Tom Rainer says on page 53, excuse me, page 63, if our family gets discouraged or discontent in our church, we will remind ourselves that unconditional love is not always easy. But we will remind ourselves that unconditional love has been demonstrated perfectly for us. His name is Jesus. He loves us, sin and all, so much that He died on the cross for us. Too often we, we give up because we have an unhealthy view of others. And we have an unhealthy view of others because we can't see our own 
problems. The log in our eye is so huge, but we ignore it. We ignore the log in our eye, and instead we focus on the little specks that we see in someone else's eye. Yeah. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. That's, that's you and me. That's all of us under God's judgment and yet now under His grace. And that brings us not just a healthy view of God's judgment, not just a healthy view of others, but to the realization that a healthy church member has a healthy view of self. You know, back then on June 6, 2006, I tried and tried. I tried to see the speck in my own eye, but I couldn't because my eye was in the way. I tried to see that speck. I tried to use my camera and it wouldn't work. I tried to look in my rearview mirror in my car and I thought if I looked in and turned really quick, I might still be able to see it, but it didn't work. That didn't work at all. I needed someone who was able to see it for me. I needed someone trained. I needed someone with the right tools. I needed someone who knew how to care for me and someone who was committed to caring for me. Listen to what Jesus says. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We need people who love us unconditionally. We need people who are committed to us we need people who can see clearly into our lives. Now, can we just have the humility to admit we need other people to see things about us that we can't see? And maybe that means seeing our faults. Maybe that means seeing our failings sometimes. Sometimes we need someone who's a little further along on that faith journey and, and maybe a little more skilled at overcoming things than we are. People who've been through some of the same struggles we're going through, but have not only found a healthy view of themselves, they found the strength and the ability to help others. Now the other side of that is we need the humility to allow other people to see things in us that we don't see. We need the humility to allow other people to see opportunities for us to serve, opportunities for us to grow, opportunities for us to give of ourselves, to give of our time, to give of our energy, to give of our talents. Opportunities to, to, serve in the Christ, to serve in the church, to, to serve Christ, to be an active part of the body of Christ. We need to know. We need a place where we are safe, not only to serve, not only to try, but also safe to fail. Knowing that if, if we fail, it is still safe to fail because we still have the love and support of a church family. On page 62... Tom Rayner writes, as a church member, I am not merely to like my church or serve my church well. I am to fall deeply in love with my church. Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. My commitment is to love that bride with unwavering and unconditional love. I love the line that he has there. I am to fall deeply in love with my church something special happens when we do that. Something special happens for everyone. Not just your relationship with Christ, but your relationships with each other. You come to know what it means 
to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a church member. There's something else that Rainer says in this chapter that I really felt the weight of. On page 61, he writes, it can be lonely to be the believer in an unbelieving family. And it can likewise be lonely going to worship at your church alone. I really felt that. Because that, that was part of my story. When I was a kid, when I was coming to Kansas Christian Church as a, as a high school student, <clears throat> I would leave my parents back at... Uh, I would leave my parents back at home or wherever they were and I would come here alone. And, and I have to tell you, there were a lot of times when it felt like I was the only one in my family who, who desired to follow Christ. And then, over time, I got to baptize a couple of nieces. I got to baptize, I baptized my brother. I baptized my sister-in-law. I got to baptize my brother-in-law. And I can look out today and I can point to the spot where my mom used to sit every Sunday and where my mom would come back and sit on Wednesday night when we would have Wednesday night worship when Steve would preach for us on, on Wednesday nights. The last Sunday, my whole family was here. My daughters were here. My, my son was here. My wife was here. My sisters were here. My son-in-law was here. <laughs> and that was okay too. I hope he doesn't listen to this online. And I suddenly realized, and, and I remembered how blessed I am. And I am blessed not just to have a family in church. I'm blessed to have a church family. God does amazing things through families. And within families. And today, we have a, a little bit of a surprise, and we have a very real example of how God does that that we want to share with you today. Melissa, would you mind coming up here with me? Oh. So, Melissa, a few months ago, you're going to cry again. Yeah. You can start crying, you're going to make me cry. Look, Mom's already a mess. So a few months ago, Melissa had a really difficult diagnosis, and Kim and Pat said, pray, get busy praying. And we prayed and prayed, and God did some amazing things. And then he did some goofy things. Uh, and you fell down and broke your wrist, was it? And uh, shattered her wrist, and yet God is still good. And, uh, and so, Pat, uh, today Melissa wants to say yes to Jesus, and she wants to be baptized, and she's wondering if you'd like to do it. <laughs> I'll give you the crash course on how to baptize someone. You brought her into the world. You can, you can bring her into the, into the church family as well. That'd be okay with everybody? Yeah, hey, everybody's good with that. So, uh, Melissa wants to say yes to Jesus. She wants to get baptized. We're going to do the potluck first, though, because, well, I don't know if we should, because you're not supposed to go in the water until an hour after you eat, but <laughs> we'll, we'll probably be okay this one time. Uh, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Thank you, Pat. Kim's off with the kid. Thank you, Kim. Thank you to uh, the rest of you all for doing that. Melissa, would you repeat after me? We, we do this thing called the, uh, the, the confession of faith, the good confession. And in fact, we do it because it, it's what joins us together as a family, is our, our confession of who Jesus Christ is to us. So we're all going to repeat it with her, but if you'll just repeat these words after me and we'll share this time together. I believe, I believe. that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. Amen. Let's take a moment and pray, and then uh, we'll continue and get ready for our potluck and baptism. Father, we rejoice. We know that heaven's rejoicing. Uh, we, your word tells us that you rejoice when someone gives their life to you. I thank you for Melissa. I thank you for a family that has led her in faith. I thank you for Pat. I thank you for Kim. I thank you for the rest of the family. Uh, Lord, you, uh, you do some amazing things through families, and, and you bring new life in, in amazing ways. And I thank you for bringing us to this day. Lord, it was a long road, and, and it was not a road without complications, but it was a road that you never left Melissa's side on, and we thank you for that. Lord, uh, we seek your blessing today. Uh, knowing that uh, as you rejoice, we'll rejoice also uh, at, uh, at a baptism this afternoon. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you care for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Somebody go sit with your mom. She said she needs someone to sit with her. Will you all stand with... Well, actually, yeah, we're going to make you stand up now. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, when you called us to follow... You didn't call us all on individual journeys. You called us as the body of Christ. And Lord, as, as Charles has, has mentioned today in his, in his communion meditation, we want to recognize not just the price, but the people that make up the body of Christ. Lord, let us never exclude someone from Your unconditional love. Let us never put a judgment over someone that, that we would not also wish on ourselves. And let us together find the peace and love uh, that we have in Christ, in a family of faith. We love you. Thank you for calling us your own. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.